Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. At last, some grown-ups in the room. Top comedians Ed Axel and Leo Kurse reacting to the big stories in tomorrow's papers. That's right. It's Headliners. I'm Mark Dolan, and I'll see you on the other side of the headlines with Ray. I'm Mark Dolan, and this is Headliners, a first look at tomorrow's papers in the company of two top comedians. This evening, on his Headliners debut, a very good friend of mine, Edward Axel, and the marvellously talented Headliners veteran, that means he's very old, Leo Kurse. Uh, gentlemen, welcome to the programme. Ed, we're going to be very gentle with you, I promise. Good, good. Or do you like rough treatments? Well, <laughs> no, I'd prefer gentle tonight. Well, definitely. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're we're going to do that handily with kid gloves and we'll get through lots of stories, including more on the trans sports story. Yep. Is the beginning of a pushback against extreme gender ideology now beginning? We'll get to all of that. First up, let's have a look at tomorrow's front pages and we will start with the mail. OK, and there they are leading with uh, summer strikes, plague spreads. Trade unions are threatening walkouts by teachers, NHS staff, barristers and postmen this summer. What barristers going on strike? Will we miss them? Sharon's pride as trans swimmers are barred from women's races. And why William wishes Andrew would just vanish from slimmed down monarchy. This is part of the Daily Mail's William at 40 series. The Telegraph next. And they are leading with rail union threats to strike for six months as RMT plots new walkouts. Network Rail admits dispute may lead to a war of attrition. No burglars caught in almost half of the UK is another story on the front page of The Telegraph. And Johnson hails Commonwealth as boost to the economy. In the independent, Macron set to lose his grip on power. The French president, Emmanuel Macron, charms locals outside a polling station in Luke 2K today, but he looks to be receiving a setback in his second term as president. Unions urge ministers to find solution to the rail strike. Leaders accuse the government of fanning the flames of the pay dispute. The Guardian next, anger as ministers refuse to join last-ditch effort to halt rail strikes. Swimming moves to ban trans women. Macron loses seats to the far left and the far right. And Kelly Holmes on coming out. Sometimes I cry with relief. The Financial Times now. City bosses warn UK is ill-equipped to deal with severe economic shock. Rate rises needed to fight inflation. Stagnation, a clear possibility. Experience lacking. The Daily Mail now. Dame Kelly, celebs helped me come out. Olympic champion Dame Kelly Holmes celebrating uh, the fact that she has um, publicly announced that she is gay and we wish her well. 
summer of discontent. Now teachers and nurses join the pay fight. Strike action fears in battle for a fair wage, as Tories fail to join the talks. Daily Express now voters won't forgive rail strike betrayal, and why Macca's going back to his greatest hits. Of course, McCartney has just celebrated his 80th birthday. The Sun newspaper Summer Union Hell. We regret to announce that this country is returning to the 1970s. Britain is in danger of grinding to a halt this summer as teachers, bin men, and posties. Threatened to join railway workers on strike, causing chaos not seen since the 1970s. And the star "Summer of Fun" is the headline.、Uh, pluming marvelous. Four more heat waves thanks to the Spanish plume. Britain is set for four more heat waves this summer. Forecasters、uh, are saying that we've got a plume of Spanish sunshine to thank for the glorious weather ahead. That's right, 28 degrees centigrade is the temperature we can look forward to on four separate occasions. Happy days, and those are your front pages. And let's start with the Times and Ukraine should be bracing for a long war, Leo. Yeah, and the rest of Europe and Ukraine's allies as well. So Boris Johnson has urged Western leaders to get ready for a long war in Ukraine or risk the greatest victory for aggression in Europe since the Second World War. So the Ukraine invasion is becoming bogged down in this war of attrition. Attrition, and it's it's、uh, it's really uh, going to depend on who can. Continue feeding armament, supplies, and petrol, and diesel, and everything, everything else to the front.、Uh, and both sides are running low on ammunition. And the worry is that the international coalition that supports Zelensky is starting to, to fracture as companies, you know, as, as media attention, public attention disappears from Ukraine. Uh, the focus goes off Ukraine, and people start worrying about the cost of living and、uh, energy and、uh, food, wheat in particular,、uh, which you know is all tied to, to Ukraine with、uh, you know Russian oil not co- not coming across.、Uh, so you know we're looking.、Uh, Germany and some other countries are starting to look like they, they want to falter and not support Ukraine. They want to they want a quick end. Maybe Ukraine could give away some of its land and you know and、uh, sue for peace. Uh, against Russia sometime soon.、Uh, what's your best guess about the timeline for this war? Are we months or years away from the end? To be honest, I would have thought it's months, but I'm a ridiculously optimistic person. So、uh, I mean, hence, I, hence that T-shirt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just just look how much Bitcoin I bought two months ago. So、uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it is. I think it is months. I think it, I think it could be. I mean, the, the pressures on、uh, on on Russia to. To, to stop this war, as well as as well as on the West to to contain it. You're regretting those shares in Netflix as well, I would. Edward,、uh, what are your thoughts about this? Is the Prime Minister right to warn the West that we have a long war ahead? I, th- I think he is right、um, to warn us.、Um, and funnily enough, the only thing that really struck me was I actually believed him. <laughs> Never do that with Boris. <laughs> It's you and a lot of women have fallen down that trap. <laughs> But I, the Russians have got very deep pockets, and they're not—they're not—they're not sort of going to sort of walk away, really. I、yeah. don't think. And the Ukrainians again are not going to walk away.、Yeah. The longer it goes on, and the West well, isn't going to walk away. Well, some in the West well, are walking away. Are walking away. <laughs> yeah, Germany in particular. Germany's still giving、uh, Russia something like a, a billion、uh, euros a day 
for I mean it's insane the amounts of money and as as the war goes on and oil prices keep going up that's actually helping Putin because he sells a lot of oil so you know it's it's, it's paying for his war yeah i tend to i tend to think that the that ultimately the, the real question will be Putin himself is if he's going to carry on if he's got control of the levers of power you could get a new hobby yeah <laughs> take up crochet well, why? It's yeah. something different. I mean, people, not, I mean when, you, when you retire, when people retire, they, they start, you know, new things. You could start basket well, weaving. Yeah, or maybe just give up the war an game. iPad with angry birds on it. Yeah. And let him get sucked into yeah. that. Uh, yeah. Or, or perhaps CrossFit or going vegan. We, we've got to distract this guy in some way. You're right, I think, to focus on Putin. His health is a factor. Um, does he have anything to lose at this stage? You know, is he in too deep? Yeah. I mean, I, I suspect that what needs to happen is that this guy needs to be presented with a gold-plated, diamond-encrusted ladder to climb down. And I'm not sure that that's available at the moment. But what would that be? Well, I don't know. Perhaps he keeps the Crimea. Perhaps he gets <laughs> a, chunk, a, chunk of, a chunk of Ukraine and we all move on. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's obviously a suboptimal outcome for the Ukrainians. Yeah. But we need this to end, Leo. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and also it's the rest of the world as well. So, so much wheat is blockaded in Ukrainian ports and can't get out. And, uh, and, and Russia's bombing the wheat fields and this is going to create a, a starvation crisis across them. I know it's, it's terrible that people are dying in Ukraine, but the, the starvation, the deaths from starvation in, uh, in the Middle East and Africa are going to absolutely dwarf that. And plus the whole economy, just, you know, inflation, supply chain issues. Yep. Uh, you know, we, we, we can only pray that, that this conflict comes to a swift Resolution. Speaking of long conflicts, what about the summer strikes? Uh, this is uh, this is quite a story, isn't it, Ed? In the Telegraph. Yes. So, essentially, I think um, probably the rail unions are not going to get what they want after a three-day strike, and I think it will carry on for a long period of time. I also think that the Tories see it as a plus, i.e. fighting unions and all that sort of stuff. The optics are good for, for a Tory prime minister to stand up to unions. And, and they're also saying that the Labour Party is slightly enigmatic on the subject. So it, 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 it's a very odd situation. I mean, as part of me thinks, if inflation is at 10%, Almost, it's almost fair enough to say I want a ten percent pay rise, but I know, want a ten percent pay rise. Everybody as well. wants <laughs> a ten percent. Edwards and I talked about it on yesterday's show, and I pointed out that there are many professional groups who deserve a pay rise. Yeah, you, you can talk about nurses, you can talk about police officers, yeah. the military. What about supermarket workers who are the real heroes of mm. the pandemic? Yeah, yeah. Me. Um, security guards, taxi drivers, you yeah, name it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the, the problem you've got is that on paper, with inflation, everyone deserves that pay rise. But the the solution to the pay issue is more money, yeah. which equals more inflation. And this is the spiral we want to avoid. Yeah, the wage price spiral. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, I, like, it's like quicksand, isn't it, really, for any yeah. economy? Uh, well, inflation is is a nightmare, really. But yeah. the, the, question, the question I've got about the rail strike specifically is there more to it than just money mm-hmm. is it about redundancies is it about because i was i was watching the rmt leader this morning and he was sort of saying that every ticket office is going to close it's now it's all going to be automated all sorts of 
redundancies are in in the pipeline, which Grant Shep says are all voluntary. But you know, is that is that actually the case? It's not guaranteed, I don't think. And also, you've got a difficult position for the rail industry at the moment because, at one point, certainly before the um, before the pandemic, rail was just going up and up and up. Mm. Everybody was, but now, you know, it's yeah. Ticket prices are down twenty five percent. So, you know, for, for the rail industry to say, oh, we want more money. I mean, you're not selling enough tickets. People's, people's lives have changed. They're not commuting as much. People are working from home more. Uh, so, you know, just the, the economics of the market don't justify that. And that's, that's on top of the £16 billion that was given to them to bail them out over lockdown. So, you know, the whole country is tightening its belts right now. I'm not sure there's much sympathy out there for these strikes. Yeah. And I wonder whether the RMT risk overplaying their hand. Yeah, and also calling these strikes right now when it's nice weather. I've got no sympathy. Like they, they, they could have strike, struck in, in February. They could wait until October, but no. They wait until it's like the sun, sunniest days of the year. And then they want to, you know, have a barbecue. Like, we'd all, we'd all like to take some time off. Yeah, yeah well, we would. Well, <laughs> yeah, as long as you guys don't go on strike, that's all I care about. <laughs> because we've got lots more to get through. Um, we've covered the Telegraph. Let's move on now to tomorrow's Times. Another day, another story about Bitcoin crashing, Leo. Yeah, that's right. So the price of Bitcoin has slumped dramatically. It's down uh, below $18,000. Um, so and th- this is down from its peak in November when it touched $69,000. I mean, it's still way up from, uh, you know, I think about 10 years ago when it was about three quid. But, you know, this is, this is a huge slump and, uh, and uh, it was supposed to be a safe haven uh, like, like gold. So if the, if the economy started doing badly, then, you know, your money in Bitcoin, it would be like a store of value. Like and, if, and of course, the, the value of Bitcoin is that governments can't interfere with it. Governments can't interfere. So the and transactions are supposed to be less traceable than with other electronic payments. So it's almost like a digital cash. You can use it. That's why, uh, you know, so many um, drug dealers and, and people like that had uh, Bitcoin and ironically got, got rich from their, from their Bitcoin. Um, so, yeah, any, anybody... I hate to break it to you, lads. Uh, you're being paid in Bitcoin. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and unleaded petrol. I mean, it's, it's, only, it's only slightly worse than the British pound at the moment. I mean, uh, there's, this affects a lot of people. So 2.3 million British investors hold uh, crypto assets. And it's really based on the, on the greater fool theory. So there's no, Bitcoin doesn't, doesn't produce anything. It doesn't uh, pay a dividend. So if you yeah. invest in Bitcoin, it's not like, you know, if you invest in BP or something like that, you get paid a dividend every, every six months or whatever. And, and, you know, the share price goes up based on how much money they make. Bitcoin doesn't do that. Uh, it's just based on uh, the idea that you'll find somebody else uh, who's even, even crazier to sell it to. And it seems we've run out of crazy people. Well, uh, yeah, they, they've normally been in good supply. But let's, uh, let's move on now to a crazy idea back in the day, the Commonwealth. Ed, this is a story in Monday's Times. Um, the future of the Commonwealth. It, basically, the story details how, um, let, let's just say, when Prince Charles um, becomes king, there will be less of a pull for nations to be part of the Commonwealth. And there are certainly rumblings that Australia and Jamaica and places like that will no longer want to be part of the Commonwealth. Um, And to a certain degree, I think it's 
they've got a fair point, really. Um, ultimately, it the the difficulty with with these things is who is your head of state? You know, um, because the head of state doesn't really do a great deal usually. They open a lot of supermarkets. <laughs> You, you know, and do you want a tired politician, you know, ex-politician opening your supermarkets or do you want something colourful and, you know... Regal. Wa- regal and wonderful um, opening, your, opening, opening your supermarket. Someone like Prince Andrew, for example. Yeah, well, possibly. <laughs> Who opened my little two weeks ago. Oh, did he? Did he? Really interestingly. <laughs> was he wearing a false moustache? <laughs> He just, he, wants yeah. to feel, he just wants to feel alive again. He's doing some royal duties. But I spotted him because he was the only one not sweating. Right, right, yeah. Well, yeah, he doesn't sweat. But, but, but this is the point, and your argument is that the Queen has been the glue that has held the Commonwealth together. In her absence, you know, the, the, the box office is gone. I think there's an element of truth in that. Mm. Um, the difficulty is, is we will find out, won't we? We will find out. I mean, look, I think the Commonwealth has great value for this country, and I think it's great for Commonwealth countries too, Leo. It would be a shame if it disbanded. Yeah, but the Queen seems to be, the, as you say, the glue that, that held it together. She's immensely passionate about the Commonwealth, and Prince Charles doesn't seem to care. So there's a worry that, you know, Jamaica... There's already rumblings of, of certain countries leaving Jamaica, Australia, they could become republics. Well, he's probably ashamed of our colonial past. Yeah, he probably is. So, yeah. I mean, another, maybe, another self-loathing Brit. Maybe we should skip... Our next king. Maybe we should skip a few people and just go straight from the Queen to me. Let me have yeah. a go. I'll have a go. <laughs> what about little Prince Louis? Because he says it like it is, doesn't he? He does. You, you'll he have does. seen his behaviour at the Queen's Jubilee celebrations. Yeah. A lot of sass. Yeah. Screaming his Different. head off throughout Brian May. <laughs> I like that. A bit of honesty. I, I mean, the Commonwealth, the bottom line is that I think it's a great thing for, for nations to be part of it because it connects all of us with our past, good and bad and indifferent. But also it's a great opportunity for trade and diplomacy, Leo. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to put it out there. The Commonwealth is a force for good. You, yeah. you can debate our colonial past. I don't think you can debate the Commonwealth, can you? And I think there is a, a shared culture and shared values between Commonwealth well, countries. Isn't, isn't it a cushy private members club in which it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like the Masons, isn't it? I, I, but without, without the nipples. <laughs> I, I, just don't, I just don't see any... I, I, maybe I'm blind. Maybe I'm blind. What, what, you don't see what? I don't see anything really very much in the Commonwealth. You don't? I mean, we've got the Commonwealth Games, you've got this sort of bilateral agreements with Commonwealth countries trade, that kind of thing. But you'd have those anyway, wouldn't you? I just wonder whether having a club facilitates better relations. Yeah, with a, with a fancy coat of arms. You know, like, you know, like <laughs> those... <laughs> Edward, like those fancy showbiz clubs that you and Leo are members of. Yeah. Where oh, you right. run into yeah, the yeah. toilets every yeah. ten minutes. Yeah. To, uh, Never having that prawn uh, again. To powder your noses. <laughs> Well, Mark, we found we found this next to your desk. Yeah, yeah. Would you care to explain what this this yeah. is? This is something. I mean, it's got it's got something on it. But... Yeah, that that and uh, a Barclay card. <laughs> Some of my favourite sherbet. Okay, mm. let's move on. Let me assure you, this program is drug free. What's <laughs> the pity? They'd be much better if they were on something. <laughs> Tomorrow's Daily Mail and uh, big news from the world of competitive swimming, Leo. Ray mentioned this in the bulletin. I think it's a big story. It feels like a moment to me. Yeah, certainly in the, in the culture wars, if we want to call it that. So uh, the International Sports Federation for Swimming 
is setting up an open category in swimming which will separate transgender athletes uh, to compete in a class of their own. Uh, and they're going to pretty much completely forbid transgender, transgender athletes from women swimming uh, if they went through male puberty. So this means that if you transitioned after the age of 12, you don't get to compete in, in women's swimming. We've seen, you know, Leah Thomas and other high-profile cases. Uh, and, you know, going through male puberty does convey certain advantages to, to an athlete. You get uh, denser bones, a larger bone structure, uh, bigger muscles. It's easier to parallel park outside the stadium. So there's, you know, there's various advantages conveyed. So they want to they balance that out and, and make it fair for, for everyone. Yeah, well, I, I think that's right. I agree with your assessment about the parking. Um, Ed... I'm going to say I couldn't be more pro-trans. I'm evangelical about somebody that feels they're in the wrong body. Yeah, fair enough. I think it's no different to being gay. It's not a life choice. It's who you are. Yeah. And I've got friends that have taken that journey. And like coming out, it's this, it should be a cause for celebration, really. Not an easy thing to do, but, but joyous. But I would suggest after the age of 18, and I would suggest that it doesn't involve men who identify as females beating women in a swimming pool. It's difficult. Um, there isn't a right answer. See, people say that. I mean, Keir Starmer, <laughs> Keir Starmer says it's difficult. <laughs> all, I'm, all I'm saying is there's no right answers here. Um, well, I know, and I agree. Look, I agree that no-one's got a monopoly on, on wisdom or the truth. But, I mean, this is where Labour have got in trouble by saying, well, you've asked me what is the definition of a woman. That's a hard question to answer. Lots of people watching this show will go, no, it's bloody easy, actually. <laughs> I learnt it during B GCSE Biology. And isn't, isn't sport, isn't that the, the sort of the red line for well, a lot of people? That, that's very much the argument that um, Sharon, what, what was that? Davies. Sharon Davis um, has, has gone, gone by, you know. She's essentially saying it, it is a biological. Ultimately, if somebody has gone through puberty, they have an unfair advantage physically. And as such, are better swimmers in a competition. I think it's it's very difficult. Um, there, there are two things. Something's, you know, sports has got to be fair, but it's also got to be open to all. And having who how many people are gonna go into the what was it, the intermediate category? I mean how well, not that many. I mean, you're pretty much guaranteed to come in first. Yeah, it's, uh, there's not, mean, it's not going to be a big category, but it means that what women... What do you mean? Would this be the trans woman category? Yeah, yeah. 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 But that well, is the trans answer, isn't it, Leah? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think the, the problem is having the, the self-ID and, you know, having, um, you know, people who've gone through male puberty competing, it, uh, it does give, give them advantages, and we've seen that. I mean, it might not be a huge number of incidents, but we've seen it happening, and it's, it's not particularly fair. The one thing I'd say is, uh, so this sort of provides an incentive to transition uh, children earlier. So if you transition before the age of 12 and avoid male puberty, so it actually... It's kind of what they did with Michael Jackson, wasn't it? Well, this, this, this actually encourages, which I think is, is dangerous, this encourages the sort of Tavistock approach of, uh, you know, puberty blockers and then, um, and then you know, yeah. delaying puberty and then uh, transitioning children. When, if you actually leave it, in most cases, in the majority of cases, uh, puberty resolves the issue. And then, obviously, you still get some people who... Uh, go forward and, and transition, and it, you know, and it's absolutely fantastic. They can live their lives and want, want to live their lives without discrimination. But I mean, some lines have to be drawn somewhere, and I'd say uh, women's sport is, is certainly you know one line where it, just looking at the podiums when you see um, trans women 
uh, like looming over competitors. It, there's an obvious uh, discrepancy there. Yeah, I agree. Well, I'm a big fan of early interventions. My parents stopped me becoming a man when I was 13. And I found <laughs> out it's fine. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Uh, lots more to come. Wonderful to have Ed on the show and, of course, Leo on fire as always. Coming up after the break, are Russian spies infiltrating our establishments? Should Scotland do more to reflect on its past? And has Ofsted gone woke? See you in two. Join us for Ministry of Offence, the comedy panel show that's just like the news. And the left fights the right, and it doesn't really seem to matter who wins. We cover the big stories. It was, in fact, a troop of baboons and not angry vegans. I like that. And the really important stories. Fat naked cow gets stuck in swimming pool. It's a headline in a lot of local newspapers. Yeah. <laughs> We're on the same team, Nick. Yeah, but I'm just helping you. Join us for Ministry of Offence, Saturday nights, 8 o'clock on GB News. I'm Mark Dolan. Welcome back to Headliners. A first look at tomorrow's papers in the company of two top comedians. Uh, Tonight, brand new to the show, the brilliant Edward Axel and our very good friend Leo Kurse. Uh, Let's have a look now at Monday's Daily Mail and the Russians accused of infiltrating our establishments. Ed, what's going on? Well, this is a Daily Mail story, let's face it. And Basically, what it I'd so we know it's true. <laughs> well, well, what when I read the story, I kind of it was kind of what is this really? Because they were basically saying there's probably a lot of spies in Britain, Russian spies. Mm. Which, to be fair, you know that's probably true. But we, it also says they don't know how many. Yeah, they say up to 50 Russian spies are <laughs> Isn't it the nature of spies that you don't know how many there well, are? Well, precisely. Yeah. Isn't that how they roll? <laughs> precisely. It should be a secret. That's the yeah. whole point. Yeah. Although um, it would be nice if it wasn't a secret. And we if found we out. knew how many there were, I would sack them and get new ones. Well, <laughs> precisely. The, 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 the job description is secret. Yeah. And I, I sort of was a bit surprised by what the story was actually about. Did you get much sense of what... I couldn't it's, work it out, really. It's pretty much just that there are spies, Russian spies <laughs> in Britain. So there's a lot of conjecture here. Because, I mean, you can say anything you like about spies. They're not going to challenge you. They're not going to reply to a tweet saying, oh, wait a minute, because then everybody knows that they're a spy. So, you know, the story felt like that. But, I mean, Russia has uh, had an espionage and spies very active on Russia, on British soil. There was the Salisbury poisonings uh, yeah. just a couple of years ago. Yeah, um, but, but he was a Russian spy. He was a, he well. He was, was a former former was, Russian spy. He was form, He was a former spy that spied for. He was a double agent. He spied for us. But there's, you're seeing this with a lot of people who used to be close to to Putin, or you know, were high ranking. They defect to to the West, and then Putin hunts them down and kills them. We've seen this with a lot of. I think Boris yeah. Berezovsky and other people. They, a lot of them uh, are faked suicides, uh, where somebody you know hangs themselves and shoots themselves twice twice in the back of the head just to make sure. Yeah. Um, but Russian Russian espionage and uh, Russian uh, the, the tech they use as well can be very sophisticated, which is quite at, at odds with the sort of bungling they're doing on the on the battlefield. So uh, in Ukraine, they're, uh, the Ukrainian kids are downloading these games and uh, they're geo tagging games, sort of like Pokemon, 
And so uh, they're encouraged to take photographs of strategic uh, sites and assets, such as bridges and things like that, in mm. Ukraine. And that geotags them. So then the, the Russian agencies can see which bridges are still uh, still standing, uh, which bridges have been destroyed, and exactly where they are with regards to coordinates, so they can then bomb them. That's a, a shocker. Uh, Ed Axel, I don't know you very well. No. Are you a Russian spy? Yep. Well done. <laughs> I did wonder because uh, before the show he was yeah. eating pickled cucumbers, <laughs> drinking vodka, garroting someone. Yeah. Who knew? And, you know, I mean, they pay, don't they? I mean, they, they, they pay the Or they wouldn't. Yeah. Well, listen, it's been used to Because of sanctions, they probably can't. It's been a hard two years on the comedy yeah, circuit. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I think uh, any professional group that will be the first to defect <laughs> will be stand ups. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, stuff. Well, let's uh, move on on that libelous note. To to tomorrow's Telegraph, and should Scotland start reflecting on its dark past? Leo? Yeah, so Sturgeon, uh, Sturgeon's SNP has uh, had a colonialism committee, um, and it's done an investigation and said that Scotland needs a slavery museum, and they should be in charge. So, uh, so this is SNP government has sponsored the creation of this steering group uh, on empire slavery in Scotland's museums, so they've already invested £150,000 uh, of Westminster's money, by the way, this is British taxpayers' money, <laughs> into the group. It's tasked with delivering recommendations on tackling historic legacies and racism. So, uh, I mean, I agree that Scotland played a part in slavery and the plunder and looting of other countries, you know, hundreds of years Which ago. Which is why Edinburgh is so pretty. It, yeah. Basically, it basically is. Look at yeah. Bristol, look at Edinburgh. You know, come, uh, yeah. cities that were involved in this stuff, you know, did, did well off the back of it. And, you know, we should be aware of it and we should atone for it and make sure it doesn't happen again. And maybe do something to stop it happening in Qatar and in China uh, and in the Middle East. But uh, now these self-serving pressure groups, uh, such as this one, steal from the taxpayer. So the, the, the plundering is still going on. It's just being done by these, uh, these quangos, these, these governmental I, pressure, I, pressure I, groups. Public funded. That, that's a bit. That's a bit strong. I don't think it's strong <laughs> enough. <laughs> I mean, he's, man, we need to we need to tighten the belt, save the public purse. Why are we Why are we spending money finding out how bad Scotland was in sixteen hundred? Well, yeah, maybe maybe we should spend less time looking at how bad we were and focus more on being good now. Yeah, I think is Leo's point, Ed. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, absolutely. But um, the issue about education education of the past. I mean, hmm. when I was at school, you know, certain topics were not, weren't really discussed, you know, in history lessons. And it, I think it's important that people now are a little bit more open about actually how things worked, certainly at that point. But this story in particular, they're talking about five million quid for a museum. Yeah. And what they seem to be doing is arguing about who should open the museum, who should... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> should it be Prince Andrew? Yeah. Well, well, it just seems like two academics saying, no, 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 my museum would be better than yours. Mm. And, and to, be, to be fair, that, that seems to be the argument. But yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with a museum. Well, yeah, but I don't think it's the best use of taxpayers' money to spend five million quid on some museum that just tells Scotland how evil and bad it was in the old days. I mean, I remember being taught about the horrors of slavery at school. I remember being quite traumatised by hearing what went on. Were yeah. you not taught about slavery at school? Yeah, we weren't taught it was a good thing. No. Ed, did you, not, did you, did you skip that class? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 
No, I was talking about slavery, but the issue, uh, a lot of the other issues with colonialism and the empire in terms of mm. what was talked about was never really, it was brushed over. Some of the some of the issues with Clive of India and all of that sort of stuff is. You think, yeah, that the, the, our colonial past was sort of glorified rather than uh, rather than properly, uh, you know, understood and reflected upon. Precisely in, in the round, and it needs to be. It needs to be. A, we, I think it. I think history needs to be judged with an objective eye rather than a subject, and, and perhaps occasionally critical too. Yeah, uh, burning issue, burning question. This museum will it have a gift shop? Well, slavery. It depends. It depends. What, what which, it there? depends which academic. What goes in there? You put uh, a keyring. I think it's right. Novelty chains. Yep. His and her. Yeah. Padlocks. Anyway, there you go. The mind boggles. <laughs> but uh, you do wonder. I'll be first in line. As long as it's got a good cafe, that's all I care about. Because that's why I. It's in Scotland. It, they definitely won't have a good cafe. Everything's going to be deep fried. Oh no! What about those shortbreads though? Come on, got to be done. <laughs> Uh, fascinating. We'll look. Uh, we'll we'll watch with interest if that museum does come to light. Ed, let's go to the Independent now and the shocking story about women's mental health. Yeah, this this. Well, it's a very it's a difficult story because it's about um, something called ECT, which is electric shock treatment. Which um, it's it's a very long article and it sort of goes into detail about effectively a treatment that has always been controversial. And it seems that, I mean, it's not just in Britain, but it seems around the world, the majority of patients that are prescribed ECT seem to be women. And um, no particular answer is given in the article as to why that is. But they're, they're more conductive. Uh, women are actually 48% copper. But the, 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 is that th- right? the, the thing about it That would make them bendy, wouldn't it? It does. And durable and orange. The, the, the thing about ECT is they basically plug, plug you into the mains and they don't know why it works. Yeah. They've got no idea why it works, which, which is kind of... It's kind of scary. It is scary, but it, it's also... Um, it's kind of frightening too, in mm. in some ways. In the That's sense. what scary means. Yeah, a good point. Good point. But it's frightening because they don't know why it works. But equally, they kind of um, want a solution to the problem. You know. Yeah. Well, do you think it's unethical? Is that what you're getting at, Ed? Are you are you suggesting that women are effectively guinea pigs in this in this treatment? The difficulty I, I couldn't get from the article whether it, that is just completely random, whether it just so happens to be women. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, does, it does seem like quite an old-fashioned technique, doesn't it? And I'm surprised they're still using it. But, yeah. it, well, the other, thing, the other side I was looking at is these are psychiatrists. They're medical doctors. I can't believe they would prescribe something that they would think would harm someone. Well, I mean, it's, it's prescribed in uh, extreme cases of uh, mental illness and, and depression, uh, but it can have, you know, terrible side effects. So one of the, one of the women they, they speak to uh, says by the end of it, she couldn't recognise relatives or friends, couldn't count money out, couldn't do her two times table, uh, couldn't navigate anywhere, couldn't remember the names of people or her kids' birthdays. So, I mean, this is it's almost like our, our brain's been, been wiped by the... Do you know yeah. any females that you'd like to put a 1,000 volts through? <laughs> Answers on a postcard, please. <laughs> Mark, gbnews.uk. 
<laughs> Tomorrow's mail, and it looks like Ofsted's school ratings are based on how woke the school is. Leo, tell me more. Yeah, basically, uh, a lack of gender identity teaching has been cited as as one of the reasons. Uh, for several primary schools uh, being downgraded by Ofsted inspectors. So um, two of the schools failed to teach pupils about gender identity and gender diversity. Yeah. Um, and another, uh, another one uh, had not taught pupils about gender reassignment. And uh, I don't like why why, they, why is this an insistent thing? Why are they why have children got to be taught about gender diversity, gender identity, gender reassignment? No wonder China's doing better than us. They learn about maths and programming and stuff like that. That's actually useful in 2022. This is the you know gender woo woo ideology. It's uh, it's just introducing ideas to to children's heads. They're not really um, at, the, at the stage to understand. Um, all this stuff, you know, gender is a, is a, as we know, it's a social construct. So why, you know, teach some sort of made-up uh, ideology? I mean, we know that there's two genders, men and women, and then there's also a bunch of people who want attention by saying, no, I'm, I'm bun gender. Well, Leo, or... you, you ask why schools are teaching at primary level this kind of stuff. I've got an answer I would suggest, which is there is now an agenda to actually make people trans. Right. What's what's the because I mean I, I, or at least at least to create an environment in which a girl that's a bit of a tomboy that enjoys I don't know what you know rugby and action man has got to actually be told well no what it is you see you're you're probably a boy trapped in a girl's body almost like brainwashing uh, Ed. I know you won't agree. But what what do you think? Why is it I, I, being I think, taught in in well, schools? I, again. Um, I just want to note that it's a Daily Mail article. Um, One of the best newspapers in the country. <laughs> um, I'm, um, I'm why, just why uh, in final talks about doing a column, so <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll get nothing from me. I'm, I'm in oh. final talks about getting a free copy. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, since the, uh, the closure of, of Russia today, a lot of my career <laughs> <laughs> dried up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just think it's paranoia, really. I, I, I don't think it's true. I want to be. Do you want to be sort of explaining to seven-year-olds that there are men that think they're a woman? No, of course. Because I don't think that's anything to be ashamed of. But is it? Is it the business of a seven-year-old to think about that? It's it's one of these things. It's like why why have a focus on this? We could be teaching anything. We could be teaching the the mating rituals of guinea pigs, or you know the the formation of the Andes Mountains. But, why pick this one particular but thing? If you look at the article, if you look at the article, it. If you you're, look you're, at the detail, if having you look it. at the detail of the article, it says it, it's not really an issue. You, 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 but Ofsted have taken note, have they not, that these these important. Aspects were not were not raised in the classroom. The Ofsted want to see evidence that schools are addressing trans issues at primary level. Yeah, because my feeling is it's just absolutely at secondary. You've got to, you know, if you if you're talking about fourteen and fifteen year olds, equip them for the for the big bad world. Yeah. Leo, you'll need to have a class where you say to to the teenagers, mm. "Hey, the world is very diverse out there. Mm. There are some people. There are men who love other men. There are women who love other women." And there are some people who feel that they're in the wrong body. And that is a conversation you have at 15 or yeah. 16. Maybe not at five. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we're seeing an explosion in the number of referrals to gender reassignment clinics. So the Tavistock in London has seen a 5,000% increase in the number of, of gender referrals. So it's becoming... So a, how a, many? To how many people, though? Well, loads. 
Have I gone too far by saying that there's almost an agenda to sort of like push transitioning? Yeah, uh, it, I can't stress that there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, but it, I feel that an agenda just to say to kids, "Oh, I think you're a boy rather than a girl." Yeah, and it's, it's or is that is that a conspiracy? No, theory? I think and I think in America you're seeing the sort of capitalist drive to you know push people more people through the system that's generating a lot of uh, money uh, for for the clinics. Uh, I'm, I'm unsure of the you know ideological drive to do it in this country, and I, I think I think we do need to have some sort of checks and balances to have such a rapid social change in such a small period of time, especially with things that, that cause long-term effects, you know, changes to your body, uh, ster- sterilization, and things like that. Uh, this could be storing up a, a medical um, absolute scandal for, for 10 years' time. Ed, I don't want to kind of dominate this conversation, so you right to reply before we move on. What do you think? Uh, again. I, pref- it, I think society is a much better place now than it was 20 or 40 years ago when such things were frowned upon. What about five years ago? Well, possibly five years... Five, well, no, five years ago... So, do you see parallels, therefore, with, with, with the way that, you know, being gay was, was actually, I mean, a few decades ago, a crime? It's illegal, in this yeah, yeah. Uh, do you see parallels with that and, and, yeah. and, and trans people? Yeah, I do. I think, I think being open about it and I think saying it's part of life mm. is, is not okay. a crime. Yeah. No, I mean, no, I absolutely agree. But to teach it on the curriculum to five-year-olds, the, the, why, why do they need to have the ideas in their head? They don't seem to be. That's the, no, they, the schools that don't do it are getting downgraded by Ofsted. That's what we're seeing here, and we're seeing a huge, like an insane rise in gender reassignment amongst kids and puberty. You know, delayed puberty through puberty blockers. Well, I mean, oh, it, it, maybe that's because there has been a dam, and the dam has burst. That's possibly, possibly, <laughs> possibly. What true. do you think? Something's possibly burst, Leah. <laughs> Something's burst. Yeah, <laughs> madness. Um, I, I, I just don't see it as a tsunami. I, I, OK. Maybe I'm a fool. Well, you're definitely not a fool, and it's <laughs> all about opinions on headliners and on this channel, and I appreciate what Ed and Leo have had to say in equal measure. Lots more big opinions to come. After the break, should robots have rights? Are builders becoming too woke? And a drug-smuggling monkey. See you in 120 seconds. I'm Mark Dolan. Welcome back to Headliners, a first look at tomorrow's papers tonight with the brilliant comedians Edward Axel and Leo Kurse. Well, let's power through several stories before we go. Uh, this in the mail and uh, many ways that people will fight to keep their pets, Leo. Oh, yeah. So uh, this is, is this the uh, tenants? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So uh, prospect, prospective tenants are sending landlords smiley photos or sob stories about, you know, rescue dogs that they've saved uh, because competition for rental properties is so uh, is so hot as you know lockdown finishes and everybody's looking to move move home uh, and the national average rent is is shooting up so the national average rent outside London is uh, just over a thousand pounds a month uh, up from nine nine hundred eighty two pounds last year but in the capital it's two thousand one hundred ninety three pounds per month uh, that's fourteen point three. 
percent. That's that's uh, just seven pounds below what I pay. <laughs> right, hey, I'm, I'm bang average. More evidence of our dysfunctional housing market. Uh, now let's have a look at woke builders. Ed, tell me more. Yeah. So apparently builders. Um, talk about their feelings an awful lot more than they used to, which I think is fair enough. They're, they're, they're kind of new men. They're not, they're not, you know, lads who eat greasy breakfasts and, you know... Yeah, or come in in the morning smelling of last night's booze. Yeah. Which for me is the kite mark of quality. Slightly yeah. drunk builder is what you're looking for, I think. <laughs> They've got more confidence. They're vegetarians <laughs> and they like... You know, they're like the finer things. When they've had a drink, they're more likely to scale um, the roof without a proper ladder. Hmm. The the bit about this story that I, I I felt was a bit curious. I mean, again, it was a, it was a survey that Tool Station did, and it was like good friends of mine. <laughs> but it was like, why did you even do this survey to but, get to get Tool Station in the papers? I think. Oh no, sorry. <laughs> I think you raise a really good point, which is that uh, the builders have changed and the skill they have is phenomenal and that we shouldn't think of them as these unreconstructed sort of, you know, full English breakfast bigots. And if they are unreconstructed, then there's somebody there to construct them because they're builders. That would do it. That would do it. Uh, Nicely weaved together. Let's move on now to the times. And is it time to give our robot friends more rights, Leo? Yeah, well, people are saying because uh, it looks like artificial intelligence is emerging. You know, there's a story in the in the papers just the other day about uh, somebody getting fired from Google because they'd been asking, they revealed secrets about what Google's AI, they'd been asking the AI questions and it had been replying as if it was a real, you know, a sentient being that wanted to live. But obviously, you know, people pointed out it's actually not. It's just uh, providing a, a, a simulation of what something that wants to live uh, looks like um, so uh, you know although how, how, how do you tell the difference well this you know we're going to have to learn how to tell the difference pretty soon when you know machines do become sentient we're also going to have to set some laws so that you know these these things don't have a negative impact on society they've got to be designed in a way that makes clear, clear they're not human uh, they've got to be excluded from certain realms of human activity altogether and uh, they should be designed so they don't subvert our shared norms Whatever they are. Should they have access to curry night at Weatherspoons or not? Absolutely not. That is a crime against nature. Yeah. Well, the other thing, I mean, have you dealt with any of these sort of bots that you get, you know, with the, the bank, you know, or the yeah. HP, you know, you know, something that uh, you go, you know, you ask it a question and it comes back with basically nothing. And you can tell that it's a machine that's talking to you. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they've really got much further than that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my text conversations with Mrs Dolan, I'm not going to lie. Um, do you think, uh, young, uh, fabulous uh, Rich, we could jump to monkeys now? Because uh, this is the story in uh, the Mirror Online, Leo. Tell us about yeah. uh, monkey business. Going. This is an amazing story. So there's a, a shootout in, uh, in Mexico uh, that saw 11 drug cartel members killed, as well as the pet monkey of one of the gang members. So the monkey's owner was among the dead, and he was found with the pet, who's actually wearing, he's a monkey, and he's wearing a tiny monkey-sized bulletproof jacket. And lying there's in his the chest. monkey, check and it out. And we've got a picture, and uh, that's the monkey. Is that the, is that the monkey dead? Yeah, it looks pretty dead there. But since the death, a bizarre emotional tribute to the monkey is being shared on social media, uh, which calls the animal El Changuito, 
uh, who's born last year. And I, I saw this and I thought it was a joke, but apparently it's real. This is a real monkey that was killed in a, in a gang Who shooting. Knew? Tiger King, eat your heart out. <laughs> How about our penultimate story? And this is the worst person you know, Ed. Uh, somebody that accidentally became a global celebrity. So he got his... Um, photograph taken by his brother, his brother-in-law. who was And it's just a normal bloke. Yeah, yeah. His, his brother-in-law was a professional photographer and he sold the photo to one of these sort of big photo sites. Mm. And it got used in a general article about the person you like to hate most. Mm. And everybody now looks at him and goes... On the, on the internet, that is what people search for, and they get his picture. Mm. So he's, he's sort of become an... And there he is. And it's only because he's trying to look suave and sophisticated, yeah. but, but in fact, the way he comes across is as a serial killer. Yeah. yeah. But this is, this is the danger of stock photos. If you're a model and you appear in a stock photo, that photo can then be used in anything. There was a, I remember there's a woman, uh, a model, who's used in an article about uh, somebody, like a, uh, a letter into a, a um, life advisor or whatever, uh, for somebody who sent a letter and saying they, they wanted to sleep with lots of uh, disgusting men or something like that. There yeah. was some, you know, disgusting sort of fetish. Well, don't knock it till you've tried it. And so, but this this random model who had nothing to do with it, her picture was used at the top of the, the article. So then she was like, wait a minute. Now, now all my friends are <laughs> seeing this and they think I wrote the letter. Uh, Leo, I've just got a couple of seconds on this. The UK's most prolific dad, of course, it is Father's Day. This is a bloke with 160 kids. Um, 160? He's got a lot of energy, hasn't he? Oh, my God, 160. Where's Jeremy Kyle when yeah. you need him? Yeah, uh, like, now you're talking. Well, there's a question. Um, look, folks, uh, I want to thank you so much for a brilliant debate, uh, Leo Kurs and Ed Axel. And thank you for your company over the last three days. I've loved every second. I'm away next weekend, but I'm back a week on Friday, and I can't wait to see you then. Keep it GB News. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring.